Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Wine Show. I'm Hannah Halmari, editor at Sustainable Wine, which is the online magazine of the SWR for the Sustainable Wine Roundtable. I'm joined today by my colleague, Tom Outram, who is the Operations and Partnership Manager at the SWR. Hi, Tom. Hi, Hannah. As usual, we're going to be discussing the latest news and trends in the sustainable wine industry, as well as what the SWR has been up to. We're also delighted to be joined today by a wonderful guest speaker, Marta Rivera, winemaker and sustainability manager at Alliance Wine and a founding member of the SWR. So Marta, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Hannah. How are you? Great, thank you. We're very much looking forward to finding out more about what Alliance Wine has been up to recently and your involvement in the SWR. But first, I'll briefly run through some of the latest sustainable wine industry news. Recently, I've been seeing a lot of buzz around the British wine industry. As a result of climate change and warmer conditions, Britain is not only making sparkling wines, but it can now produce pretty decent still wines too. Whilst this is, of course, very exciting for UK winemakers, it's also a pretty stark demonstration of the impact of climate change. We've also seen a number of updates on this year's harvest, and Caroline Henry published a very interesting article on Champagne's successful harvest. The Comité Champagne is actually calling this year the, the solar vintage, but Henry raises a really good point about how much of the reporting around the harvest has focused on quantity whereas quality actually isn't necessarily guaranteed given the fact that the grapes were picked before optimal ripeness this year. And this, of course, impacts the flavor and balance of the grapes. So it'll be interesting to see how this vintage turns out. Another big topic lately has been that of wine labeling, as the alcohol regulatory body in the U.S. has announced potential rulemaking to require wine labels to list ingredients and nutritional information. The response among winemakers has been fairly varied on this. Some welcome the move, believing it'll drive greater transparency and help consumers make better choices, whereas others view this increased regulation as an unreasonable economic and logistical burden on producers. And there are also quite a lot of concerns that it'll just confuse and overwhelm consumers. So, Marta, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. At Alliance, we have been working for a while on how to approach this new piece of legislation. There isn't a final list of ingredients for the European Union, but obviously we are hoping to have this ready by the end of this year or early in 2023. In my personal opinion, I'm not 100% against this new legal requirement, as it will intentionally improve traceability and transparency in the sector, which is something difficult to maintain in the wine industry. The problem will be in terms of quality perception of the wine when it comes to consumer and regarding the use of certain additives and whether will it have an impact on customer health. For me, these are the main points to consider when it comes to this new piece of legislation. Recently, I heard I read an article for the Wine Intelligence in which findings suggest that 49% of consumers perceive that good quality wines don't need additives and only 26% agree that poor quality wines contain them. In my opinion, in order to avoid general confusion, wine brands will need to help consumers to understand that these additives have been common ingredients in the wine industry for a long time and their use doesn't have any detrimental impact on areas such as health. Education is going to be key when it comes to this new piece of legislation 
in order to help consumers to understand the reason behind them, in order to improve areas such as transparency and traceability in the wine industry. Absolutely. Increased traceability and transparency is always a good thing. But as you say, on the consumer side, there's already so much confusion when it comes to purchasing wine, making decisions. And as you said, a lot of ingredients that are in wine that consumers just don't know about. We'll have to make sure that consumer education piece is managed correctly. You can find all of the latest on our news summary online on the Sustainable Wine website, sustainablewine.co.uk. Be sure to go check that out. Now, Tom, let's talk about the SWR and the latest updates. What's been going on? Thanks, Anna. Yes, there's lots of activities taking place within the roundtable. And most recently, we held an update meeting with our members to provide the progress to date on the global benchmarking work that my colleague, Dr. Peter Stanbury, has been leading on over the last two months. That was really to outline the key findings and what the next steps are in this process. We had over 50 members attending that meeting yesterday and some really good engagement, good questions, good comments, a lot of interest in this work. There was a lot of support for what we found so far and the direction of travel. I think there's a lot of positivity around the work we're doing there and the involvement we've had with members and and other interested parties so far. More to follow in that area, but so far so good. Thanks, Tom. That's great to hear. And what about the member-driven projects? What's going on there? These are quite complicated projects, but it's a great opportunity for members to co-create shared projects, which provide an opportunity for members to collaborate, to inform this work and deliver practical outputs. So we're working with a retailers group, which is represented from the likes of Whole Food Markets, Waitrose, the Wine Society, Alco, System Belaget. Our focus at the moment is on bottle weight reduction. You know, as everyone knows, this is a sort of key issue in, in the marketplace. You know, how do we reduce carbon emissions? And we've identified the opportunity to try and find some collective position on bottle weight reduction. My colleague Peter Stanbury will be leading on this work over the next three to four months, working with our members to be able to work through that project. In other areas, we're working on vineyard inputs. And this is another group which has been co-created by members. Treasury Wine Estates and Cloudy Bay are currently leading on that work. We'll also be looking at other areas over the coming months there's a range of issues, we know that, but we've got to start to tackle the key ones first, shared by our members. I was also privileged to be able to go to Cape Wine last week. This is their flagship event organised by Wines South Africa. They put sustainability as the centre stage of the three-day conference. And that was a great opportunity for me to both meet potential new members, but also meet current members, everyone from WWF South Africa to System Belaget to Anotra Co., So a wide range of different actors in the wine industry. And it was really, really positive events, lots of energy and passion around sustainability and great interest in the work that we're doing within the roundtable. I've made a lot of contacts and looking forward to making new ones over the coming months. And so we're delighted to be joined by Marta. You are one of our founding members at Alliance Wine, a UK leading fine wine supplier to the trade. And you're also on the Board of Trustees. So you've got a lot of activity happening within the roundtable. Maybe just to start off, sustainability is now on the agenda for many wine businesses. What does it mean for Alliance Wine when we talk about sustainability? At Alliance Wine, we understand sustainability as a strategic tool that can help us to generate positive impact in the wine industry. We are mainly using this strategic tool in order to make our practice more effective and therefore start focusing on doing less bad and trying to get things right from the very beginning. 
I have realized in my career that some wine business focus their sustainability initiatives or objectives on becoming more sustainable themselves, which is something that obviously we are also trying. We, we need to be more sustainable as a, as a wine business. But we are also focusing on creating positive impact in the wine industry as a whole. For that, we started our impact strategy one year ago by trying to gain a deeper understanding of the current challenges that unfortunately we face in the sector. In order to try to find solutions to them with our products and services. This is more a holistic approach that takes more time, unfortunately, but it's based on the idea is that if we don't help the whole of the wine industry to become more sustainable, we won't be able to become more sustainable as an individual company. I completely agree, Marta. A quote that Johan Reinecke said during the conference last week, which really stayed with me following the conference, and I believe it's an African proverb, was if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So I think that speaks to your point around collaboration and not working independently. You know, we need to work together. And as Alliance Wine Sustainability Manager and a winemaker, what are the main challenges you face day to day when it comes to sustainability? Maybe this is a personal opinion. Sustainability is mainly based on people. So when you handle people or when you try to work with people, I would say, it requires education and motivation. You always find people who are difficult to convince, uh, you don't see the benefit at all of what I'm trying to do when it comes to sustainability. From, at the end of the day, the day, the benefits of any impact strategy are not only economic. Therefore, for some people, it's not a priority in any business model. On the other hand, like any business strategy, the generation of positive impact introduces a cultural change in any business model, and this requires time. As I say, maybe this is a personal opinion. Uh, things are easier and quicker to change, but with people, things don't work like that. People are not adaptable, and this might incur in some extra time that we don't really have, as well as uh, energy and innovation from my side on a daily basis. And that can be kind of overwhelming, by the end of the day, but I guess it's part of the role. As well as thinking about the sort of traditional three pillars of sustainability, you've also got to think about cultural change. What's the best way of making that happen? Yeah, I understand that that can be very challenging. And I've heard you're carrying out some research into the use of this a circular economy methodology for your wineries. Can you explain a bit more what that exactly means and what you hope to achieve from this work? This is a project that I started last year in cooperation with a few wineries from our portfolio in Spain. For me, circular economy is a great leverage tool in order to implement sustainability initiatives in, in the wine industry, mainly because it's based on common sense. Common sense is something that we try to implement on a daily basis in our activities in the winery, but maybe we need to find a way to formalize this common sense. The main issue that I found is that there isn't a system of indicators that help us to control or monitor our progress when it comes to circular economy initiatives. And we are obsessed no, with data, controlling data, monitoring data, analyzing data in sustainability in general. But when it comes to circular economy, there is nothing in place, no, nothing that helps us to monitor our progress. And I understand if what we are doing is the right thing or the wrong, the wrong thing. So with this idea in mind, I started to work on a project focused on the creation of a system of circular economy indicators that are specific for the wine industry. Once I create this system of indicators, I just create, uh, organize them in order to create a methodology that helps us to analyze the circularity level of wine businesses in general. 
with this project. What we are doing is trying to offer the wine sector a circular economy methodology specific for them that is easy to understand, it's easy to use for them, as I say, because it's going to become based on common sense and circular economy initiatives. And we'll help them to include circular economy activities in their daily production activities. I think often people can think of the circular economy and other methodologies as quite overwhelming, time-consuming to be able to sort of implement new ways of working or thinking. Trying to break it down into sort of practical tools-based sounds like a great goal to have. In terms of your involvement with the Roundtable, we're obviously here to try and provide a platform for the wine industry to collaborate. Are there any particular issues you would like to work on collectively with other SWR members and why that is? In the last few months, I have started to be affected by the issues related to data monitoring and analysis. Again, when it comes to any sustainability initiative, we need to gather and collect and analyze a certain amount of data. And without this data, we cannot establish realistic and adequate reduction initiatives in areas such as carbon or water footprint. I have found that nowadays there are diverse options on the market that help us with the calculation of these footprints, as I say, carbon or or water, for example. But when it comes to data management, collection and storage, the number of options is fairly low, I will say. The lack of traceability that I mentioned before doesn't help at all with this process. And uh, sometimes, especially when it comes to scope three emissions, it is difficult to collect uh, solid data that will help us to establish realistic uh, reduction initiatives. For me, it could be great to start to analyze if we really have the necessary tools on the market to collect this data correctly that will help us to meet all the sustainability standards that we have in the sector, the standards that we are trying to create at the Sustainable One Roundtable. It's obviously a complex subject area and it's going to be important that we have data available which sort of backs the standards and can help us manage the information that we collate. And just finally, what keeps you motivated in your role when you're faced with so many different challenges? Again, for me, people, it is extremely rewarding when I see some of my colleagues implementing things that I ask them to do at work in their daily lives or departments that they are actually starting to create their own positive impact initiatives by themselves. So sometimes I have examples coming from the marketing department. They call me, Marta, we have thought about doing this. What do you think? And it's it's, it's great. They have initiative. They start to think and they start to be sustainable themselves. That, for me, is both the team morals of the whole company, I will say. It helps a lot in order to continue working and seeing that what you are doing has a positive impact, not only in the business itself, but society. Because, as I say, when they try to implement these initiatives on the daily lives, that's when you make the difference. No? They will communicate this to their children and their community, the people around there. That's really rewarding. Obviously, when you manage uh, to align your impact strategy with your business model, which I have to admit is pretty complex. It took me like a year. That's the most difficult part. And you start to see you start to see things actually happening. Even though these are small wins, it is again extremely rewarding. When you see putting things into action and projects that are working and things that motivate people to do the right thing, it's extremely rewarding and it's something that helps me to continue. Just speaking for the SWR, we've really enjoyed having Alliance Wine and all of our members and seeing them work together. We're looking to share these challenges, but also share those wins. Yeah, looking forward to the next few months and the years to come as we work through these issues, but create solutions in the meantime. Thanks, Marta. Thanks, Tom. 
And Marta, your project on circular economy methodology sounds incredibly interesting. And I really love the practical approach and this focus on common sense that you mentioned. I'm sure many of our listeners would love to follow the results of this. So are you able to tell us when we can expect the project findings and learnings to be shared publicly? Yeah, sure. So we went through a tasting exercise, as I say, in cooperation with this wine in Spain. We are in a moment in we have the methodology, it's almost ready to go. We are just trying to find a digital solution because like every single methodology is based on a spreadsheet, long spreadsheet with long formulas and uh, difficult to handle internally no? by one age. So we are looking for a digital solution in order to make even easier to use by, by then. And also the idea is to gain any kind of official recognition. can be that this will become a certification at some point. Maybe we can find any kind of lower accreditation. So we are in conversations with official associations that are in charge of when it comes to certifications and any kind of official standard to understand which are the potential solutions for, for the methodology. My personal goal is to have it ready by the end of 2023. People and wineries start to use it. Not only when it is for portfolio, the idea is to make it available to every single winery that we like to implement in their production activities. Thank you, Marta. And I certainly look forward to following how this develops. That's it for this month's episode. Marta, thank you so much again for joining us. It was great to hear from you. And thank you, Tom, as well for your insight. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the discussion. We'll be back next month. But in the meantime, if you have any questions or comments or you want to get involved in the SWR, please do email me at hannah at sustainablewine.co.uk. We'll see you next month.